people deluded i'm back again thank you very much for tuning back into another edition of the deluded podcast as usual it's always appreciative and appreciated there's not much going on in the grand scheme of things you know we're just over a week away from the premier league returning currently there's a couple of internationals being played you know there's the transfer speculation like always but generally there's not much to speak about that doesn't mean i ain't got things to speak about with you i don't know how long we're gonna be here folks but strap up, get ready, man. If However you're watching, just, just prepare yourself, man. If you're having your morning coffee and, and cigarette, make sure you've got that. You know, if you're cleaning, make sure your kids ain't making no noise so you can listen to this thing. If you're, you know, on the M-Way or whatever, going to work, doing what you're doing, make sure you turn it up. But let's go, man. First things first, today I came across um, Gareth Southgate making more comments in relation to Harry Maguire. Now, not to go over the same thing, but as you lot know couple of weeks ago or even last week such as the quick turnaround in football you know unfortunately he was part of unsavory scenes to put it nicely in relation to being on holiday and getting into a little sort of altercation with another party it ultimately led to obviously being in trouble with the authorities it is well it is i've spoken about it you lot have had your opinions nonetheless gareth southgate says he will be he being maguire he will be absolutely be looking to recall Harry Maguire in October. As you lot know, like I've said, he was withdrawn due to what was going on off the field. He has received a suspended sentence on, on a Greek island of Soros. Um, he, as you lot know, he was found guilty of aggravated assault, resisting arrest and repeated attempts of bribery. Maguire maintains his innocence as he did in the BBC. Um, as 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 Southgate said, he's backing him and he wants to keep him in the side. I mean, he did call him call him up. A blind man could see that there was a U-turn impending and, and it was a stupid thing to do. Again, Southgate, I'm not being funny, but you've been in the England job for a while. You Listen, you're a manager, you're not a media man, but part of having the highest job, you know, in management within this current land, you know, that's the highest position you could potentially get as a football manager within this nation. How you do things, you know, PR... Did you not listen? I can guarantee your assistants, your coaches, the PR, people must have said, don't call him up. So shouldn't it be wise just to stop speaking about Harry Maguire? Don't get it twisted. I get it from a management sort of view. You want to protect your player. You want to back your player. You want to show loyalty. He's part of your side. But be a bit sensible, man. There's question marks on you on the field. There's question marks off you. I do, I'm not saying Gareth Southgate doesn't have integrity, but I don't, I do think in difficult moments, he don't, he doesn't know when to stand, where to stand. Apologies. He's shown that when racism has reared its head, and yeah, he's a wonderful man in hindsight, but when it was time to stand up for certain players, you didn't do it. You, like I said, this this storm, which has been Harry Maguire. But nonetheless, he said he's been in touch with Harry Maguire, and he said the right way through the last two weeks. So, however, that means he's contacted him. And he went on to say, it's, it's, it's clear, it's clearly been a really difficult period for him. And I think the last few days have been very important for him to relax get away from the attention and get rest. We will absolutely look to get him involved in October. So for, for Maguire, at least, you know, this will blow over. Yeah, you'll still be reminded and there's still be banter and there's probably more to be said. But at the end of the day, there's some other controversy that's going to come up tomorrow and you're going to be forgotten about. The best thing Maguire can do, probably what he wants to do, is just get back to playing football. And, you know, if you play well for United or even if you don't play well, you'll be back in October, as we, as we've been told. On the topic of England, and England have done it, I believe Brazil have done it, and there's been a couple of other nations, I believe off the top of my head, Norway, New Zealand and Australia. Um, 
into in conjunction with England. What I'm actually on about is apparently England's men and women's senior players have been paid the same for representing their country since earlier this year. The FA have announced um, an FA statement actually said that parity in terms of match fees and match bonuses had been in place since January 2020. Um, again, so the base, the basic bonuses and the basic fees. I don't know if there's any other intricate things that the FA dish out to their players, but you know, I know a lot of people will talk about the revenue generated in women's women's football and as to why they shouldn't be paid the same as men, and that's a legit debate, and it's not one I'm going to have. But it is nice to see at base level match fees and bonuses are parity. You know, that's got to be a great vote of confidence for the female players as well. So big up that man. I'm all I'm all for advancements for the females game. And admittedly, this season I'm gonna take more of a commitment personally myself to show more of an interest and I'm never gonna be an expert, but it's football. I wanna, you know, know a bit more and just be into it, man, because you know, women's football should be ahead where it actually is right now. And especially in England, man. When I watch France and watch Brazil play and, and, and to a degree America, they got some ballers and I'm not saying England don't but sh come on man, we, we're, we're one of the most football hungry nations, we should be dominating at, at, at women's level to be fair man, I've seen some great women female footballers so I want to see more of that so I'm all for that Moving away from that, as you lot know, the PFA has announced their shortlists for the PFA Player of the Year and I believe the F PFA Young Player um, so yeah man, apparently Liverpool have four Premier League players nominated because obviously they've won the league and been great. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold has actually been nominated for both the young player and the player of the season. He's the only player to be nominated for both this year. Um, promising for England though, keeping up the theme with England people. If you look at the young player of the year, um, nine of the 12 nominations, uh, well, for both of them people, nine of the 12 nominations for both players are English, um, including all the young players. This hasn't been the case for... Um, this hasn't been this hasn't been there hasn't been more than five in any of the past three years. So again, this could be good for the England squad. Obviously, it doesn't mean we're gonna be successful, but we always people always talk about the, the foreign influx killing the game and all of these things. And you know, I'm sure some people might say they're true, but regardless of the money spent on Man United, Man United have spent and the foreign players they've had, young Mason Greenwood's popped up. Bakayo Saka has popped up. Should be England in the England squad. Trent Alexander-Arnold has saved Liverpool how much money over the last period he's been a professional footballer for them. Um, and obviously you've got the Raheem Sterlings and the Mason Mounts and the Tammy Abrahams and Marcus Rashford rightly deserved as well. So it, it, it's always nice, man. It's always nice for me. In terms of PFA player and young player, I'm personally going player. player I'm going with Kevin De Bruyne. If I had to go for a second, it's a toss-up between Mane and Trent Alexander-Arnold. For young player, I believe if Trent doesn't win, which I expect players player, he should win young player. Um, I don't think Bakayo Saka should win it. I think he has a case to win it. And obviously, I'm a big Arsenal fan. I want him to win it. But I personally believe that that goes to Trent if he doesn't win, which I expect he won't. The, the normal sort of thing, people. Um so we'll have to see, but Liverpool, you know, Liverpool, it's a good look that they've won the league and they've had Bearman nominated for it, people. So it's a good look. Moving away from that, and I've done a video on it, people, but I don't know how many people have seen it or how many people are aware. You lot know Alexis Sanchez had a torrid time at Manchester United. As I have previously said to my friends and anyone that will listen, on the face of it, obviously excluding wages, Mkhitaryan and Alexis were both free, were free swap deal. I believe it was the most expensive deal both parties will ever engage in a while because 
First and foremost, the time. The time that went into completing both moves. It's all amounted to nothing. For United, the timing, hoping Alexis would adapt and all of these things, it didn't happen. Same for Arsenal with Mkhitaryan. I'm an Arsenal fan. I'm going to be biased and say we got a bit more out of Mkhitaryan than Alexis. But United fans might turn around and say he scored twice against you. Like he's worth his fee alone. Um, we all know it was pretty costly. United paid a lot of money for him. And in hindsight, it didn't work out, you know. His contract, once all aspects are covered, you know, he committed a four and a half year deal. He's earning 560000 per week. That's also without in, without speaking about um, the five million that Manchester United paid out in agent fees. Um, so it was a costly error. He might have sold shirts, but ultimately he was a flop and he is one of the, not in terms of ability, but just in terms of what he gave the club. He's probably up there with the worst players in Manchester United history. It just didn't happen. He had a torrid time, people, and he's pointed the finger, really. And he said he wanted to leave and return to Arsenal only after only one training session after moving in 2018. The man himself said, I want to tell you about my period at Man United, about many things that were said and that made me look bad. I got the opportunity to go to United and it seemed tempting to me. It was something very nice for me because when I was a kid, I liked that club a lot. I ended up signing without much information about what was happening in the move. I'm going to stop right there, people. That's, that's alarm bells. How can you move without knowing anything? This is the most important move in your career. Yeah, you've secured the bag and, you know, that you've you secured the bag throughout your whole career anyways, but that was a serious contract at United. But you're not going to consider all the factors. How am I going to fit into this team? What's the coaching landscape? Because United's coaching environment for the last few years can be described as quite volatile. Do you get it? You, you didn't do your homework. You just saw the fact of, I, I want to leave Arsenal so much. Anyone's got to be better. And I'm sure United dangled that carrot of, we want to return back to the, to the grand scheme. And you thought you was going to assist them. And I thought Alexis can. But this shows the grass isn't always greener. For Arsenal, the lesson we could have learnt from this is of just to have got rid of him, made the commitment to selling him in the summer, you know. Clearly, it was all about cash because he tried to go to PSG. They backed out because of money. That's from a reliable source we've seen previously. Uh, Arsenal apparently had a contract tied up. He went away on holiday and he came back and changed his mind and said he won't sign. So there are things we could have done better. He said, some, he said, the first days that I was with my colleagues, sometimes there are things that you do not realise until you arrive. The first training, I had realised many things. Home, I went home and I told my representative, can't, I, can't the contract be terminated early to return to Arsenal? They started laughing and I told them that something did not sit right with me. It had already been signed. And then he also went on to say, in a game with West Ham, remember when he scored a hat-trick or so there in an Arsenal shirt, people? I wasn't picked. That never happened to me as a player. It bothered me and I said it couldn't be possible. To go from being one of the best in the Premier League to not playing in five months, I came to my house and I was very sad. The next day, I trained in a double shift because I love what I do. That's the one thing he should have done really, really and truly. He then went on to talk about management. He said, then the next coach arrived, the current one, and I decided to talk to him. I told him that I needed to take a breather and the opportunity to go to Inter. He told me, yes, there was no problem. And he has had slightly better form and better fortunes in Italy, but it's been a terrible thing. I don't, I'm not one of these fans just in football in general that cares about legendary status and stuff. Of course, I would, listen, I would have loved Alexis to commit, you know, go down in folklore and all of these things. Imagine a Bamiyan Alexis and somebody else. It would have been crazy. 
but he owes us nothing. At the time, we weren't looking like winners. I, I looked sideways at that United move. It's clearly for the cash. But I understood why Alexis wanted to go, people. It's, it's, it's that simple. Um, I really understand it. But it just it's just about selling players when you need when you need to sell them really and truly. Um so yeah, man, I'm sure I'm sure he's got a lot to think about. It just didn't it didn't ha hurt, um, happen for him. He did also not blame pundits and journalists per se, people, but he did kind of have his, his way on them and he said journalists spoke without knowing and it bothered me. It hurt. Former players spoke who had no idea of anything that was happening inside the club and gave their opinion damaging you that it was your fault. I only have words of thanks to United for giving me the opportunity to defend the shirt. It bothered me that things did not go the way I wanted. <laughs> if the atmosphere had been more positive, it would have turned out differently. I tell, I tell it all now because I've already passed a period of learning as a player and as a person. I would have liked to have won everything. So he was in reflective mood. For us, I'm happy it didn't work out. I'm not going to cap. But moving away from Alexis, I don't want to spend too much time on that traitor. You can see the Arsenal badge coming out now, people. I apologise. Premier League clubs. Now, I personally, people, I didn't mind the five Premier League subs rule, you know. I'm not going to lie. I have a mate, Big Up Dale. He used to, he's not on it, people. He said, are we trying to make this NFL? He's not He's, he's not on the water breaks. He's not on the, the, the five subs. Me, personally, I don't mind the five subs, people. I was against these things at first, but I liked it. Because the way they did it, it's not like I can go one nil up and just bring off one man, one man, one man and dead the game. You've got to be strategic. I do think with the way the modern game's going, you should let in another sub. It can be a gift and a curse, depending on how it goes for you in the game. But I don't have a problem with it. But, you know, the water breaks have gone, which I like. I just like to see. That's the thing I'm going to miss about lockdown. The water breaks, not because I felt they were logical, because sometimes the sun is not out and it didn't look humid. So if it is, fair enough, but you could still play. And you're taking a water break after 15 minutes. But at the same time, I'll miss it, man, because you got an in-look into what the fact managers were kind of doing obviously with no fans you can kind of hear as well people so it's pretty interesting what's said so i'm gonna miss it but premier league clubs have voted against five substitutions for the upcoming 2020 and 21 season at a shareholders meeting apparently it was initially agreed in august the five subs rule introduced after the premier league for, um, resumed last season would be scrapped and they would result to a maximum of three changes during the game However, a proposal was put forward to again increase the number of substitutions to five with a total of nine on the bench, but the motion did not get the required 14 votes. So people, long story short, you know it's going to stay at seven on the bench and you can only make three subs on a match day. So managers are going to have to get on with it. Regardless of what I have to say, it doesn't matter. Now, I'm a, I'm a man of all football levels. You know, I like the scouting, I like the coach and I like to see... I like to see the structure of what clubs are doing. And it seems like Tottenham Hotspur have had a bit of a shake a shake around in terms of their off-field operations or better yet, their personnel. Tottenham have, have appointed sorry, Trevor Birch as technical... As, I might say technical. Apologies, people. Let me start again. Tottenham have approached have appointed Trevor Birch as director of football operations and given him a place on a new four-person football board. Birch joins from Swansea City, where he had been chairman since April 2019. He had also been chief executive of Chelsea, Sheffield United, Derby County, Everton and Leeds United. So he's, you know, I assume whatever role he's going to be doing in the director of football operations, you know, he's got a healthy CV. He's been at Chelsea. That's the standout one. He's been at a big club like Leeds, you know, Sheffield and Derby and Everton. He's Premier League club in Everton and Sheffield, depending on the period he was there. Um... 
in, in together with Swansea. So he's been around the block. He's probably got a bunch of contacts. He probably knows his shift. So again, if they've deemed he's the best for what they want to do, it is what it is. Apparently, when he goes into his new job, he will replace Rebecca Kappelhorn, who now becomes Director of Football Administration and Governance. This is a newly created role she will lead and drive and embed football government governance processes, contractual matters and best practices across the club. So I assume making sure we're complying with laws and, you know, well, I say we're, yeah, I'm speaking in an Arsenal sense. Um, you get what I'm saying in it, kind of just making sure everything's going on, going on smoothly at Spurs. She's been with Spurs since 2015 and will now have more time to extend her work with the European Club Association, the FA and various footballing government bodies and working groups where she represents the club so yeah she's clearly a very active lady across many sort of jobs and stretched out amongst many different subcategories so clearly she's very smart at what she does apparently the third member of this football board will be steve hitchin now he is a very well-established person he has been promoted from chief scout to technical performance director Again, this is another new role, role sorry, and will focus on building capabilities to support a world-class football in- infrastructure across senior and youth teams. <laughs> Big words for, for you, only man. You're only working at Spurs, lad. Come on now. <laughs> world-class football. <laughs> Come on now. In- infrastructure at Spurs. <laughs> Mad. On a serious note, though, obviously, that's what Spurs have to aspire to. It might, it might result in some trophies. I had to do it, man. It's too easy, man. I'm in a bit of a... You know the ones there, people? It's Friday... After this, I'm going to have some rain. If I'm in a good mood, so I think, you know, let me have a little couple Spurs digs. But apologies, Spurs, man. On a serious note, Hitchin is very surly at his job. And he actually joined Spurs in 2017, February of that year from Liverpool. And he will have the responsibility for scouting, performance and recruitment analysis and youth recruitment. Obviously, Daniel Levy's the club's chairman and managing director um, of obviously the ENIC group which obviously owns 85.55% of the club and he'll be the fourth and obviously the, the, the man the man with the most important power on that board. Um, apparently, Jose Mourinho will not be joining this board. So this could be a change in shift at Spurs and, and kind of signal indirectly, regardless of what Jose's contract says, that he's not here for the long term. Again, it might not be that. It might just be we've, we don't want to do what we've done previously under Poch because his predecessor, predecessor Pochettino, was on a three-person football board along with Capel, Horn and Levy during his time at the club. So it could just be a change in things. It could be, you know what, let's just leave the manager to manage. But who knows? You know, for me, if that if, if someone's sitting at the board, that tells me Pochettino's a bit like Arteta in that he's getting more of a say to a degree because of what he's on. But who knows? Apparently, the latest appointments are an acknowledgement that Spurs require more footballing expertise at executive level during their during her time as football head of operations the highly experienced Capelhorn had been more focused on admin and processes as her new role acknowledges um so yeah man apparently the club has not had a true sporting director one overseeing recruitment coaching academy performance medical and analysis since italian franco baldini left in 2013 15 apologies um so we'll have to see man apparently um Birch has been more focused on the on the business rather than the football side of things of the club, and he has served and um sorry and this new position appears to be a departure. So maybe he's just completely getting a new a new role. People, there's also been change at just at coaching level as well. Um, head of academy coaching 
coaching and player development, John McDermott, um, in March, was seen as leaving the club, as you know. He's had about 15 years service at Spurs. It's never nice to see someone that's part of the furniture as a club. And I know how scouts and coaches are, you know, you think it's going to be forever, lose his role. Dean Rastic has also lost his role. Ryan, um, um, sorry, Dean Rastic, apology, um, he has, has assumed the new the role that um, McDermott will leave. Ryan Mason is obviously the under-19s head coach and will now assume the role of head of player development for the under-17s to 23s. Chris Powell, you know, it's amazing how he's got a job and he's not speaking on diversity and breaking down challenges now. Watch it, people. Every time he loses a role, it becomes, you know, the Kaepernick and stuff. Trust me, it's, it's so true. Um, he He's um apparently, you know, joined their youth academy set up as well. Um, apparently, head of player development Nigel Gibbs has left to take up a coaching role in Belgium, um, and there's obviously changes at a further changes because apparently, you know, um, there will more coaches will firm firm part of a leadership team because you'll see Matt Taylor doing the under 18s, Wayne Burnett doing the under 23s, Paul Braxwell doing the senior academy coaching role, and former QPR coach Perry Sucklin, academy coach man, good big up him man. He, I remember when I went to a uh, an event about breaking down barriers in coaching. He had a lot of time for me, man. He was a very nice guy, man. Hope he's doing well. Moving away from that and Liverpool, you know, Liverpool are very smart getting set-piece coaches and all different specialists in med in sort of medical roles. Apparently, however, they're seeing a departure now. Philip Jakobsen, who has been Liverpool's medical rehabilitation and performance manager for two years or a little more than two years, is now leaving. The German joined in June 2018. Um, from a hospital in Qatar where he had headed up specialist team dealing with the treatment of elite foreign athletes. During his time in Qatar, he had also worked as a physio people um, for Panathinaikos and for Portsmouth as well as the Qatari national team. Apparently, he is on gardening leave technically and sent out an email. Um, so we'll have to see. Apparently, Liverpool will begin the 2020-21 season with a very different medical team than they had since last season. Apparently, long-lasting head of medical Andy Massey has left to join a role, get a role at FIFA. Um, as you lot know, they've obviously taken Chris Morgan from Arsenal. Well, he's returned to Liverpool from Arsenal, better yet. Away from that, though, and Liverpool um, have been using a French startup in relation to turning video into data. Apparently, Paris startup Skill Corner had just finished working for betting clients at the 2018 World Cup when a call came from Liverpool's head of research, Ian Graham. Apparently, he had seen some of our data. This is in quotes. He had seen some of our data visualizations and said, if you're doing this from broadcast for the World Cup, then this could be interesting for us in player recruitment. This is what Hugo I can't say this name, Bordigoni has said, who is a co-founder of the app. Um, apparently, the app is basically, in short, is tracking data and is a goldmine of positional coordinates that clever data scientists can turn into valuable insights. So I assume even more data analysis, data analysis around distance covered and specific things you're looking at from players according to their positions. It went on to say, whereas traditional event data tells you what happened on the ball during the game, such as the number of passes, tackles and shots, Tracking data reveals the position and movements of every single player in every single moment of the match. So again, more and that more detailed analysis for the scouts and everybody to contextualize and dig deep into and paint a picture according to they want to do what they want to do. They could also use that for existing players. Can they find signs to say a player is on their way out or a player is underperforming or needs work in a certain sort of area? Um, it's quite crazy, people. You know. Um, 
apparently um, it totals more than a million data points per 90 minutes, enabling a data scientist to calculate things such as the pressure a player was under when they made a particular pass, whether they broke the lines and if they made the best possible decision in a given situation. As you know, this is all crucial information for a club um, which is trying to build a comprehensive picture of capabilities of a potential transfer target. So it's, that's that's quite good to hear Liverpool are on that sort of thing. Away from that, Birmingham City, you know, produced Jude Bellingham. Their academy is amazing. Apparently, they've applied to move up to Category 1 academy status for their 2021-22 season. The championship team at the moment are Cat 2 since the inception of the EPPP system in 2012 but I've had the best strategy of operating as close to the Category 1 as possible for the last three years. They've also been buoyed by the success of their academy players at senior level, with 10 making first-team debuts last season, and obviously Jude Bellingham went off to become a main player in the Championship before leaving for 25 million quid to Borussia Dortmund. Apparently, the club will now enter a period of review and inspection, by the Professional Game Academy Audit Company before finding out whether their application has been successful in May 2021. So, best of luck to, to, to Birmingham. Away from that, though, and I came across some comments in relation to Timo Werner, who actually scored for Germany last night in their draw against Spain. Um... From Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank now, obviously, he formerly was a striker at Chelsea. He's had something to say, and I don't agree with it because he's... I, I agree with what he said, but he it's best I just read it, people. Because you'll probably, at some point when you hear me, you'll probably go, hang on, what's he talking about? That's not true. Apparently, Timo Werner may well need an extended period to settle at Chelsea, says Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, with the former Blues forward expecting the German to be afforded six months to get to grip with his new surroundings. Yeah, the fans will not give him that long. Agendas hold no context. Apparently, he told media, German football is totally different to the English game, so it'll be difficult for Werner to settle straight in. We know he's a talented player, we know what he can do, and Chelsea need a player that can score goals, but we also need to give him the time. If you look at Aubameyang, when he came, he needed six months. So give him those six months as well. Now, I agree with everything Hasselbank has had to say apart from the name he's used. What game was he... What six months did Aubameyang need? You know, I'm sure if you ask Aubameyang, there was probably things he felt was a culture shock and needed to adapt to. But that man's been scoring literally since day one, you know. You could you you could have used the departed Sane who had a tough six months. You know you could have used Robert Perez potentially even Henri. You know Didier Jogba at Chelsea because he had a tough six months at Chelsea. His first six months. I remember his interview. He said it. You know, but you're using Aubameyang. Now I'm not saying Aubameyang is the best player or whatever. I'm just saying this fun factually isn't true. You know I, I get it. You're trying to find a striker from the Bundesliga to to liken it and. There are parallels, you know, Werner can occupy some different positions, but that's literally the worst example, you know, that's almost putting more pressure on him. What's he talking about? Aubameyang hit the ground from day one, what's Hasselbank talking about? Hasselbank, I, I, I know you play for Chelsea, but I've got a lot of time for you as a footballer, but you're gassing with that one, man, you're gassing, you're gassing. He also spoke on Hakim Ziyech and said, he is, um, Hakim Ziyech is very creative, has an excellent left foot, is very good at set pieces, and I expect a lot of assists from him. So do I, simple as, he put that perfectly. He's got that aura around him that he wants the ball, he wants that responsibility, he's not afraid to score goals. Physically, he'll possibly have a problem in the beginning, so he has to be smarter with his physical ability, but he is a silky beautiful player and something that Chelsea don't have a player with a left foot 
who can bring something different. And, you know, they've got Hakim Ziyech. They're, they're closing in on Havertz, who's apparently left Germany, left the Germany national team coach, um, camp, sorry, and, and boarded a, a, a cab or whatever and is doing what he needs to do to get closer to being officially a Chelsea player. So we'll have to see people. Now... I'm sure you're all bored of this Messi thing. It looks like Messi's bottling it, people, and he's staying at Barcelona. Apparently, um, Lionel Messi's father and agent, George, continues in talks with Barcelona and did on Thursday, people. Um, he arrived in, on Wednesday in Barcelona and reportedly held explanatory talks with the club president, Bortomeu, and the rest of the board. As you lot know, Messi obviously said last week he wanted to leave. I'm sure you all seen his dad has been absolutely harassed everywhere he goes, people. Even Luis Suarez, who went to his teammate's house, has as well, who Suarez apparently is going to Juventus. Um, apparently, Messi no longer considers himself a Barcelona player and did not attend training for the third consecutive day. The club had been fining Messi um, 100 million, 100,000 euros daily for his absence and missing a COVID test. But Bertomeu has reportedly softened his stance and said the 33-year-old will not be fined and is being given a few days off to consider his decision. Um, you know, and it seems like there's a lot of back and forth between Messi, his dad, um, and and La Liga because apparently Messi's. I'm sure you've all seen La Liga bring out another statement in relation to the release clause and if Messi does want to leave because. On on the hand on the one hand, people, of course, you're all thinking, hang on, what's La Liga got to do with it? It's a club matter. But you've got to think about this logically, people. Again, there are other stars in La Liga, but La Liga, you lose Messi. You lose, Barcelona lose a lot of fans. I'm not saying man support Messi, Barcelona just for Messi, but you lose a lot of eyes. La Liga, you've lost the best player of all time and the best player in the league. You haven't got Ronaldo. People are still going to watch La Liga, but, you know, the numbers will drop. So it's in their best interest that Lionel Messi stays, you know. When it was Messi and Ronaldo, everyone was watching La Liga. You had the, the race. They lost Ronaldo, which was also bad for La Liga. You lose Messi. Who are you looking at? Now, players come and go. Messi is 33. He's not going to be here forever. Ronaldo's of a similar age and is irrelevant from this. But you get the point, people. Apparently, Messi's father and his agent, again, Jorge, Jorge George, call him George. I try to do the South American team, ding, bang. He insists that Barcelona's 700 million euros release clause is not applicable applicable um applicable i can never say that word at all and and his son should be able to leave the club for free however again la liga released a statement shortly after this statement um, reiterating its stance that the clause needs to be paid in full if messi is to be allowed to leave the club so it is quite of a techie one it is quite tricky and that one there i don't know what's going to happen personally there is a lot of people saying Messi said, you know what, I'm going to stay. And Messi and his part partners have said, you know what, we're going to stay and just see out his contract until 2021. But I personally thought, I don't want to say I foresaw this because I don't know what's happening and I don't know what's happened. But I did think he'd do a U-turn. I did think he wants to see serious backing in the market, whether that's going for his countryman, Latoura Martinez, potentially bringing Neymar back to this club. They've been linked with Pogba in the last two days, doing something like that. Again, their financial situation is quite bleak um, and they, they'll need to sell before they can change it. Like I said, they're getting people off the wage books. It looks like Suarez is going to Juventus. It looks like Vidal is going to Bar is going to into Milan. Sorry, um, apparently they want to sell a couple of people on the fringes of things. Um, and and there's a couple other movements happening. Rakitic has gone back to Seville. So yeah, things are opening, you know. So they need Kuman needs to do things. In fact, there's even talk of bringing in Gigi Wijnaldum from from Liverpool, 29 year old. He's a good player. 
but in terms of longevity, I don't get the point having got rid of, gotten rid of Arthur and bringing in Pjanic and Vinaldum, who are basically the same age. They've also been linked with Depay, who is going to be a decent signing, but isn't going to take them forward too tough. So we'll have to see Barcelona. We'll have to see, you know. Um, big up Asu Fati as well for becoming the youngest Spanish player when he made his debut yesterday as well for Spain. Big up him. I'm sure you've all seen in relation to the transfer news, Manchester United have confirmed the signing of Van der Veek for around 30 million or so euros, rising to 40. I think that's a very good signing. Again, football isn't FIFA, but I think he's one of them footballers. People don't give credit for how good he is. I know they've seen the Champions League run, but for me, he's good. He's box to box. He can score goals. He can assist. He's very good technically. He likes to work hard for the team. Again, I don't know if there's ever a possibility of Pogba, Bruno and him playing together, which I think there is, but you could take one out. I think it's a good addition. United need good squad players, you know. Matic isn't... Matic, they probably need a defensive mid because... Matic has had, had decent form and turned it around, but his age suggests he's not got long left. I know he signed a new deal. You've got Fred who's hot and cold. I know you've got Scott McTominay, but if you're honest, you know, he shouldn't be in a proper picture like that. He can be used in the squad. So they need good squad players. They've got Van der Beek. They, it looks, Van der Beek, sorry. It looks like Paul Pogba is going to sign a new deal. Bruno has just joined the club. Do you get it, people? If they can bring in a DM, and they will have to get rid of some. I think they'll keep Scott McTominay. He's homegrown and cool with the squad. But Scott McTominay, Fred, Matic, Pereira, Lingard, all players that can play in central areas, a couple of them will have to go. Spare a thought for James Garner. I hope there's still a pathway when he returns from a, from his projected loan spell because I haven't seen him officially gone out on loan yet. But there is talk of going out on loan. In fact, let's actually look at that, people. Let me type in James Garner's name and see if I'm... Um, chatting or being serious people yeah 19 he's 19 he's still at manchester united he actually hasn't gone on loan but there's talk of going out on loan he's only made two appearances to it since 2018 so he potentially needs to go and get football minutes of currency moving on to liverpool and you hear the liverpool need to sell before they can buy really and truly whether that's true i don't know but apparently liverpool if we didn't know already are aiming to offload a number of fringe players over the summer as jurgen klopp looks to trim his squad ahead of the upcoming season that includes nat phillips and say ojo who are attracting interest from nottingham forest as they look to strengthen their squad having narrowly obviously missed out on pre on the playoffs apparently phillips and ojo are expected to be two of Two of a number of players expected to leave Anfield either on a permanent or loan um, basis during the coming weeks. Apparently, Ben Woodburn, the Wells International, is interested in Ipswich and Portsmouth. Quite the fall from grace for him, man. You would have thought he would have. He looked sick as a youth, man. He looked like he was going to be with the Curtis Jones and the RV Elliots and a two degree Brewster and them things there. But yeah, man, apparently he could be leaving. Harry Wilson's apparently up for sale. Apparently, um, Taiwo. Awonyi, who's a striker, Nigerian, um, is wanted by both Stuttgart and Mainz, so he's got interest in Germany. Um, Camille Grogbara, his name looks familiar. Is that a centre-half or a goalie? It looks familiar. Yeah, he's a goalie. I knew he's, I knew I'd seen that name. Apparently, he's linked with a move away. Um, so we'll have to see. Liverpool have to sell for they can buy. I think they got rid of Lovren, but we'll have to see what else they do. Away from that, though, and Napoli president... Arulio Di Laurentiis has claimed Manchester City are making discussions regarding a deal for Koulibaly difficult due to a Jorginho grudge they have held since 2018. He told the media, Koulibaly and Milik are both on their way out, transfer market permitting. So if the market allows us to sell those two excellent players, we'll know how to replace them. If not, we'll discuss again next year. 
Away from that, apparently Seville remain hopeful of being able to keep Real Madrid fullback Sergio Regulon on loan for another season. He's had an impressive season, so much so he's been linked with Man United. On the topic of Man United, um, they've had another sizable bid rejected by Monaco for Benoit Banachile, the 19-year-old centre-half. He might even be younger than 19. I'm sure he's 18. He must have just turned. But he's a decent thing. I've got shares on him in, on Football Index. Hopefully he hits the ground running. So they've been rejected for that one. But, you know, it seems to be they're able to get one off because Chris Smalling, who's had a good year at Roma, looks set to follow Mkhitaryan there on a permanent basis. They're still attempting, apparently, um, the Daily Star says, still attempting to finalise Jaden Sanjo's move um, in terms of his agent fees and salaries before making a bid, which I'm not too sure because didn't we hear that personal terms weren't a problem and they're done, it's now time to account for a fee. I think the move will be done. I just think they're moving discreetly and uh, it's ultimately a case of it's, if United put down the money, it is what it is. I think they'll come to an agreement. I just think they're probably just both arguing over the structure of the deal. I think if, if United will... I think United can agree to a structure where if, if Sanjo hits all the variables, hit 120 will be the ref, the final fee Dortmund could stand to receive. I think that's fair money. Overpriced in general football, of course. You know, football's transfers has gone inflated, but... Sanjo's going to pay for himself. He's going to get better. He's going to be a baller anyways in the in the short to medium term. He's only going to get better. He's only going to get more marketable as well. You know, he's a London boy. You know, he's that very much that estate kid. He's done the sort of Germany thing. Obviously, he's very flashy and drippy in a nice way. I like that. People gravitate towards him. You know, he, he's very relatable. He's always talking about Kennerton and stuff. You know, he's an English boy. People can resonate with him, you know. He's going to get more marketable. He's going to sell shirts. So 120 for me is worth it. You know, he's only going to get more expensive. <laughs> he is what it is. You know, I think they'll have to do it. And I'm keen to see the 20-year-old back in back in the Prem. And I'm sure he is as well. Because playing in Dortmund has been a fantastic opportunity. You know, he's played in big games. He's now, they've given him a platform to play for his country and that. And he's obviously played in Europe. But, you know, way before he could comprehend these sort of things, he was a young kid in a council estate playing football, thinking, yeah, I want to play for whatever team he he grew up supporting. Allegedly, Chelsea off the top of my head. Um, you know, I'm sure he dreamt about playing for England at Wembley and equally playing for Chelsea or whoever in the Premier League. And, you know, it's like Hector Bellerin. You know, I know he's come. He's, it's a complete different thing, but he came to Arsenal. He's been here since 15, well, 16, 17. He's now 25. Yeah, he might be Arsenal for life and all that stuff, despite the links to PSG that are still persisting. But he's a Spanish lad. Do you not want to play in La Liga? It's simple things. So we'll have to see what happens in that regards, people. Um, apparently, Josh King says it would be amazing if Manchester United renewed their interest in him. Obviously, the 28-year-old must feel gutted because not only has he been relegated, but he saw a move to Manchester United, his former club, you know, turned down in January. So he'll probably leave Bournemouth. I can't imagine he'll stay in the championship. Well, it is what it is. Apparently, Bayern Munich's Spanish midfielder Javi Martinez is determined to seal a move back to Athletic Bilbao and is prepared to take a wage cut. Apparently, Hull are looking to sign Southampton centre-back Alfie Jones on a permanent deal. Roma are preparing a move for her for Berlin and Poland striker Piatek in order to replace Edin Dzeko. Personally, I always thought that striker was over overrated, not Edin Dzeko. He's a baller. Um... So, yeah, apparently Inter Milan will need to raise money by offloading Ivan Perisic if they are to bid for the 29-year-old Chelsea and France midfielder Ingolo Kante. 
Conte probably wants a, re uh, a reunion, a renaissance with his former midfielder. Chelsea um, are obviously looking for a goalie, depending on what they can do with Kepa. Um, Rennes have told them if they wish to sign their Senegalese goalkeeper, Eduard Mendy, who is 28, they have to pay up to £30 million. So... Are they going to spend £30 million and then have the £80 million man on the bench? Probably, but it's a techie one. But, yeah, the transfer news is a gazy one, man. Um, I, I, We didn't have a chance to speak about it, but obviously I saw Crystal Palace confirm the signing of Ibiraize. Bola. Bola. I want him to be such a success in the league, man. Really think Q, um, QPR did well with him. Really think Crystal Palace is the right team for him and he'll hit the ground running. I actually didn't speak about anything to do with Arsenal. It's lovely to confirm the signing of Gabriel. I mean, you've got Gabriel and Saliba. One's number six, one's number four. Both signed for around £30 million. One's 19, one's 22. You'd imagine £30 million. Can we turn them both into £50 million plus players? Can we have this a centre-half pairing that's envied by the world for the... Um, for the best part of a decade, obviously a decade's re wishful thinking, but at least five years, you know, they both signed for 30 million. Can we get more money when the time comes? Because I know Saliba is cute seeing his Arsenal shirt and stuff from a young age, but if Real Madrid and Barca come, if you're going to become the player that we believe you can be the next for running that, then it is what it is. I'm happy with Gabriel because he complements our side. For me, I've been on our case about centre-halves. I said we needed a centre-half in addition to whatever happened with Saliba. So for me, to now have Gabriel, Saliba and obviously Paolo Marie, who hasn't had much of a look in, I'm cool with that. Personally, I don't expect too much from Marie. What I'm hoping from Paolo Marie is, you know, he's, just, he's, 20, he's 27, he was 26, but he just turned 27. Give me a couple of years, you're just consistent. You know, you're, I'm looking at Marie to be the rotation option. When, when, if somebody's injured, touch wood, that's not the case, or rotation or injury for whatever reason, when you step in, there's not a significant drop off in quality because I ain't seen much in Marie. But what I've seen, I think he's going to struggle with pace. I think he's okay on the ball, and I think he's not one of these midfield centre half, sorry, that is going to force it. But I'm just hoping he can step up and be required. Saliba and Gabriel is going to take time. Personally, I think there's every case to play both them young centre-halves and let them fail fast and learn fast and develop fast. But I understand if David Luiz kind of holds one of their hands, if not both, and uh, for a bit, best part of the start of the year and then gradually in an ideal world, phased out. I don't mind that. Obviously, I'm hoping we can we can announce Aubameyang's new deal. I'm hoping we bring in a midfielder, Partey and Awa. Either one I'd be cool with. With Partey, we get that box-to-box -box composing figure. With Awa, we get someone that can break the lines. Um, so there, there's that, man. But we need to get we need to offload players. I know Socrates has been linked with Napoli. Um, Kolasinac apparently wants to go back to Schalke. Torreira could be going Florentina. We need to raise funds. We need to, man. We need to get Elneny off the wage books as well. Um, so it all depends, man. It all depends. I just want the Premier League back, man. You know the window. The Premier League's back next next week. The window is shut in just under a month, technically in October. So we need to get a move on. For me, it's outgoings. It's outgoings. There are some players we're not going to be able to get off the books. You know, Mustafi is injured. Ozil's wages. I don't think El Nene genuinely gets fields any inquiries because we've been trying to get him off for a while. So we will struggle, but we do need Arsenal. Do need to raise funds. There's nothing more for me to talk about, man. I hope you've all enjoyed this 40-odd minutes we've been here for. I know I've been kind of inconsistent with the pod because I, I like to do this a bit differently. Um, 
I, I like to wait till there's a bit of topics to speak about and I don't like to talk about the, 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 the typical stuff like I will but I like to speak about the structure of clubs and what's going down people I always think to myself should I just sometimes drop five and ten minute little things because who says you can't but it is what it is in that regards man on that note though I'm going to get get out of here man and keep it moving like I said it's been a fantastic podcast but I don't want to waste any more of your time Please take care. Obviously, don't forget to subscribe on Spotify or whatever you're listening to me on. Subscribe on that application. Don't forget to check out my YouTube content, Deluded Guna, if you don't know. Follow me on all my socials, Deluded Guna 04, Snapchat, DGuna04. Um, yeah, man, make sure you're supporting all the content across all the channels, man. Show my podcast the same love you show the YouTube and that, man. And I've also got a blog, man. Check out the blog, man. You know, it's quite a decent one. I'm trying to do it all for you lot, man. Trying to give you lot all different angles and all different content and different channels and different um, strokes for different folks and all them sort of things there. But for now, people, it's a Friday. This marks the end of my content that I've done. I'm probably going to be on a couple live streams over the weekend, but not serious, serious ones. So I'm happy, man. I can go and grab some some rare neff, get some tutu ice and sip a juice and enjoy what's left of my friday people it's 5 30 but it is what it is take care man god bless deluded i'm out man